0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I was sitting out of my computer, and I was thinking about what passages or verses would be the most well-known of all the scriptures. I thought of Genesis chapter 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I thought of the last part of Joshua twenty four verse fifteen, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And of course John three sixteen quite naturally comes to mind, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I also thought of the shortest verse of the Bible, John eleven thirty five, which says Jesus wept. But then I got to thinking that those verses are known by people who know something about the Bible. They may not know exactly where they are found in God's word, but they know that they're there. But what about those people who know nothing about the Bible? What would be the best known and most frequently quoted verse probably in all the world? I believe it has to be Matthew chapter 7, which says in verse 1, do not judge. Now most people stop there but it goes on to say so that you will not be judged. This actually has been on my mind quite a bit lately. Judging. Let me begin by saying that we are required to make judgments as it relates to the conduct of others including our brothers and sisters in Christ. In John chapter 7 Jesus was involved in a discussion with certain of the Jews in Jerusalem who were there for the celebration of the Feast of Booths. At that time, the anger of the Jewish leaders had reached a fever pitch, and it was affecting the crowds in the temple who were hearing both the leaders and Jesus. The leaders were upset with Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath day, but Jesus pointed out to them that at the time for a child's circumcision fell on a Sabbath day, they went ahead and circumcised him in verses 23 and 24 we read if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment in other words look at the entire picture actually understand what is taking place and why weigh the evidence and then draw your conclusion Many times we may find ourselves quick to make a judgment without actually knowing the whole story, without having enough information to make any kind of a judgment, much less a righteous one. Let me give you a classic example. In the book of Joshua, we read of the conquest of the land of Canaan. The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were given land on the eastern side of the Jordan River. However, the primary battles of conquest were to take place in Canaan proper to the western side of the Jordan River. Three days before Israel was to cross the Jordan River and begin the conquest in earnest we find this in Joshua chapter 1 verses 12 through 16. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. They answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. And that is exactly what they did. The warriors of the two and a half tribes participated in the battles of conquest, helping their brothers of the other tribes take the land. After the conquest and the dividing of the land to the various tribes, Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Going to Joshua 22, we'll see what he told them, beginning with verse 2 and going through verse 6. There we find, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have listened to my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to you, brothers. As he spoke to them, therefore turn now and go to your tents, to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. As they were traveling to the land, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh decided to build a large altar by the Jordan River on the western side, the side where nine and a half tribes had received their inheritance. Look now at Joshua 22, verses 11 and 12. And the sons of Israel heard it and said, Behold, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the side belonging to the sons of Israel. When the sons of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel gathered themselves at Shiloh to go up against them in war. If we were to read on we would find them accusing the two and a half tribes of building the altar in order to rebel against the Lord. They compared what they had done to the iniquity of Peor and the sins of Achan that led to the defeat at Ai. They were ready to do battle with them for what they judged to be an unfaithful and despicable act against God. But had they judged righteous judgment? Given the opportunity They explained to the leaders of the other tribes who were so fired up and ready to go to battle against those who had stood side by side with them in countless bloody battles to assure the conquest of the land why the two and a half tribes had built that altar. Look at verses 24 through 28 of chapter 22. But truly you have done this out of concern for a reason saying, in time to come your sons may say to our sons, What have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you, you sons of Reuben and sons of Gad. You have no portion in the Lord. So your sons may make our sons stop fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us build an altar, not for burnt offerings or for sacrifice. Rather, it shall be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we are to perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, so that your sons will not say to our sons in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. Therefore, we said, it shall also come about if we say this to us, or to our generations in time to come, then we shall say, see the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice, Rather, it is a witness between us and you. Nine and one half tribes of the people were ready to jump to the wrong conclusion. They did not have all the facts. They did not know the entire situation, but they were ready to judge their brethren with whom they had gone through so much. They were willing to judge them as being unfaithful and to go to war against them. We cannot judge righteous judgment unless we know the whole story. And there is a tendency among us to judge harshly without having all of the evidence. Each one of us has a story. Each one has reasons why we do what we do. And we need to be very careful before we jump to negative conclusions. And we need to be very careful that we have truly thought out what we have to say to each other especially when we think we have the answer for someone else's situation. I want to look at another very interesting situation, a situation where brethren were called upon to judge righteous judgment and act accordingly. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and read the entire chapter. It's only 13 verses, and this is what it says. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, An immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. And you have become arrogant, and have not mourned instead, in order that the one who had done this deed might be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, When you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Clean out the old leaven that you may be the new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so called brother. If he should be an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside God judges? Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Obviously, the Apostle Paul was calling upon the brethren in Corinth to judge righteously as it related to the conduct of this particular individual. He had placed his soul in jeopardy and was in danger of negatively affecting the entire congregation. If things were allowed to continue as they were, others in the congregation would be emboldened to engage in sinful activities. Judgment was necessary, and the righteous judgment in this case was going to require that they take the necessary steps to remove the wicked man from among them. Of course we understand that when such sets become necessary, part of judging righteously is to continue to admonish the individual as a brother or sister. Even when such judgment has re- has been reached, it is first for the spiritual welfare of the one who so judged, and secondly it is to help to maintain the purity of the entire congregation. Again I say we must be so very careful about what we say. What about the individual from 1 Corinthians 5 who was engaged in that sin. What did the brethren do and what happened to him? There is good evidence that the brethren made the right and necessary judgment concerning this man and took the required steps toward him. If we look over in the 2 Corinthians letter, chapter 2, and read the first eight verses, we find this. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? And this is the very thing I wrote you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy would be the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. But if anyone has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree in order not to say too much to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary you should rather forgive and comfort him, lest somehow such be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. It was evidently a situation where the one judged righteously, by the way, as guilty of the sin of incest and unrepentant, and toward whom the required steps were taken, was moved to repent because of the actions of the brethren. Now they needed to continue to judge righteously and no longer hold that sin against their brother. He needed to know that the sin was behind him now, forgotten by God and forgotten by his brothers and sisters. No one ever needed to bring it up again, either to him or to anyone else. Failure to act properly toward this repentant brother would cause him to despair. In conjunction with judging righteous judgment, before we close, I want to say just a few things that we have to say that uh, demonstrate that we do not personally have very good judgment. We all know that the Bible has a great deal to say about what we say to others, and how we say what we do say. One well-known passage that addresses that subject is found in James 3. Looking at verses 6 through 13, James wrote, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea— is tamed and has been tamed by the human race but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of god from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not to be this way does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Who among you is wise and understand him? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Let's be kind to one another. Look for the best and believe the best until and unless the clear evidence says otherwise. Let's not judge without having all the facts and remember that everyone goes through something, maybe not now, but that we all will. I just know that it is so often much better to be sure to open our hearts instead of our mouths and be careful to listen and judge righteous judgment. Thanks for listening.